Hello and welcome to episode 331 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is an up-and-coming director called Luke Hanlon. As you know with Mark and me, I have a huge range of guests. It doesn't mean you need to be the world's biggest director. It doesn't mean you need to have loads of films under your belt. One of my favourite things to do on this podcast is introduce new directors to you guys at home. And on today's episode, we get to talk all about his amazing film, The Troubles, A Dublin Story. The film is absolutely brilliant. I think Luke has one of those careers ahead of him that's just going to absolutely explode and you'll hear why on today's interview. The film's getting some incredible reviews and after today's interview you can go and check it out on Amazon Prime or Apple TV or Google Play Movies but also check out my social media channels this week because I am going to be giving a couple of DVDs away to celebrate the release of this podcast and obviously the film itself. Something special again with today's episode as well, Luke is making his podcast debut So I'm very flattered that he's chosen the Mark and Me podcast to do that. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, let's quickly touch base and talk about my last episode. It was with Jesse Powell from the amazing band Dream State. This blew up. It went on YouTube so you can go and watch it on there. It went on all my normal podcast directories. And honestly, the numbers were amazing. And Jesse was just an absolute gem of a guest. So thank you so much. But today it's all about Luke and honestly I really do believe this guy is going to go places. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to the interview. So here's me and Luke talking all things film. So Luke, thanks for taking the time to join me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thank you Mark, good to be here. What I do Luke, this podcast has been going nearly six years now, over 300 episodes and I've spoken to all different directors, actors, musicians, but... I'm always very interested in how your career started. So if we take it right back to the very start, um, when you were growing up as a kid, were you a massive fan of films? Were you that kid that had all the latest videos and DVDs and wanted us, you know, to be a certain filmmaker or an actor? Or how did it all start with the world of film for you? When I grew up, I never, ever thought I would be a filmmaker. I never had, I, I grew up in like a, a working class, you know, poor area. And what we do, we, I love films. I always love films. We, we grew up with no internet. I'm showing my age. So we, we, me and my friends would sit around smoking pot, talk, you know, quoting films, just talk about films. All we talk about is film. But to me, like where I grew up, there was no, I, I didn't know any actors. I didn't know filmmakers. It's you got a job, which you're, you, you do, if you're lucky, you finish school. You don't go to prison. You get a job with your hands. You, <laughs> you, you, you do something manual. All my friends are laborers, plumbers, builders. You know, they're all making a lot more money than me now. <laughs> but, you know, so we all grew up like that. But I worked fitting windscreen, you know, auto glass you have over there. I yep. worked with them for over 10, 15 years or something. And, you know, I just, we we parted ways and I went through a bit of a rough patch and I kind of knew like I, I always loved films I knew I I didn't know I knew everything about films you know when you just watch films so much it was like I, I knew that I knew that film I knew lots of films and I always knew I could write and then I just I was drinking too much doing too much other things that were bad for you <laughs> I just said I'm going to write a script 
And then I got into, I, I was like, I, I'd love to know how it all works. So I became an extra at a place called Movie Extras and they pay like a hundred euro a day. You can go on the set and, you know, all the big Hollywood films that come to Dublin and you'd see all these stars and these big, huge, massive productions. And I would walk around asking people, what do you do? And they tell me, oh, I'm the props guy. I'm the sound guy. What, how does that? Because I knew nothing about it, but I'd just be curious. What, what age are you at this point, by the way, Luke? I'm trying to work it out in my I'm, head. I'm 42 now. This was mid 30s. Nice. Seven. So, like, okay, I'm not, it's not too long I, ago. You know, so, I, I'd be an extra dressed as a street beggar or something. Yeah. In, in, in my, you know, they'd be shooting something like Penny Dreadful or one of them old Vikings or something. Yeah. And you'd be walking around and you're getting fed. You're getting to look at all this film stuff. You're other people are sitting there complaining they're not doing anything. I'm walking around like watching what this guy does, watch this guy. And I learned so much about film sets from that was like my film school in a way. And then I went off and I started writing and shorts, and then it just escalated into I had this feature that we had now and it was like the first thing I started on and then I went back to it and I spoke to a guy and he's like I have kid I really like this we could do this and then spoke to um Colin Mullen our DOP and he's really artistic and he thought it was going to be um you know a bang bang gangster thing I said no it's not it's actually a family drama <laughs> he's like how is that a family drama it's a, a provo you know I can't be you know so he really oh that's brilliant I want to be part and then when he came on it escalated and we started making a film I had no idea what to do I never you know as I said I never went to film school I never had any proper education and it just we got it done that's crazy. I mean, I, I've spoken to probably, uh, honestly, probably close to a hundred direct directors, and a lot of people have, from a young age, even as a kid, then studied a bit of you know a bit of film at school or college, or been lucky enough to go to film school. But you kind of, with full respect, like, oh, I'll just try it. You know, I think this sounds quite good to me, and didn't care that you didn't have these qualifications yeah. or certain ticks by your name, and just went for it. And that's. Yeah. There's I admire freedom. that. There's a freedom in it. You know, I'd go on set and on one stage, there'd be, there'd be like 60-odd crew there. I'd be straight up. I don't know what that is. But you show me what that is, and I'm going to learn that what that is, and I will know what that is tomorrow. And 90% of people respect that. It's like he's, you know, it, it's this weird dynamic. I'm in charge. Yeah. But if you have a humility to say to the guy, show interest in what they're doing. It's like, you're the sound. How are you doing? Like stuff that is second nature to him. And you ask him, how does that, work? oh, we put this on this. And he's happy to tell you. He wants to, he, he likes that the director's interested in my thing. But I, I knew acting and I knew the actors. And, you know, it's like, this is my strong point. I know the script. I know how to write and I know how to structure all that. You know, and we build it around that. But I will show complete humility because you guys are the experts. You went to film school. You know all this. And like the the column or DOP would be, I'd I'd be talking to him. I need it to look like this in complete layman's terms. 
but they're so smart that they know exactly what I mean. And then I'd ask him, how did you do that? Oh, that's the lens that does. And I, I, he, he loves telling me I love learning. So that's, you know, if, if you go on with a humility, you'll get it done. I love it. And I love the bravery that you had and kind of the, just the innocence. Um, but your story is different to many people and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've done two jobs in directing. One was a short and then you're obviously your feature, which we'll talk about in a moment, but a lot of people do music videos or five or six short films and then adverts and all this. You, you, you went from like one to a hundred very quickly. Yeah. Well, you see, because I was a writer, it's I was writing, and I loved. I felt confident when I'm sitting alone, sipping on a whiskey in a dark room. Right, I'm confident. I'm, I'm the boss because there's no one else around. Yeah. But then I realize it's like, you, it'd be literal, and then when I was on sets and stuff, it'd be like I can see it visually as well, and then. My partner, uh, Annie, who, who was our, uh, my production designer and stuff that I work on, she's like, you're a director. I was like, I'm not a director. I don't know how to direct. And she's like, no, that's that's what a director is. I was like, that's it. She's like, yeah, you just tell them what to do. What You tell them what you see and they make it happen. I was like, all right, well, then I'll I'll do a short. And we've done a little short. I was like, that, that was fucking easy. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Can I curse? You can curse all day. Yeah. That was fucking easy. That's it. You know, I'm working out fucking 12 hours a day in the rain. It's like, that's directing. It's like, yeah, that's cool. Okay, right. Let's make a feature film then. And we, you know, then we made a little mini short, like a a promo trailer of the, the Troubles. And then oh, that was even before that. And I had the different director on it, but I found myself. That's when I kind of knew I was telling the director because i didn't know how i didn't know the the etiquette i was telling the director the shots and he's getting the hump on me and everyone's asking me the shots and everyone's asking and then she pulls that's when she's like look that's direct what you're doing you're that's his <laughs> don't worry about it i'll do it you know we'll do it ourselves next time but yeah so that's kind of i'm an accidental director so with the troubles of Dublin story, um, how was it getting this kind of over the line and greenlit? Because it was your first major debut. I it's made, not easy, is it? Get, we didn't get greenlit. I'd done everything myself. I funded yeah. it myself. I did, we made that on a budget of about 15,000 euro. Yeah. So we, you know, we went to the funding bodies and you know, I was pissed off at the time. It's like, but I understand. It's like, who am I? You know, why they get so many people, dreamers coming to them for funding. And it's like, you know, I understand where they're coming from. It's like, yeah, sure. You're going to make a feature film. And I'm sure everyone's like, oh, I am. It's going to be, it's like, so we couldn't get the funding. And then we nearly got private funding. And then COVID was happening and everything was up in the air for two years. And then it was just like, we had the crew, we had the cast, we had the script. And then it's just, let's do it. Let's. And so I made a pledge to myself, no matter what happens, it's, I'm going to complete it. Every single obstacle, I just took the approach. The obstacle is the way. 
this is part of it. Everything that's stopping me, I'm going to learn from. Nothing's going to stop me. And I was like a machine, you know, and we, everyone we approached for all the props and the tanks and the guns and the locations. First thing I say, I've no money. And that was kind of liberating for them because they don't feel they're being ripped off that, you know, Johnny got paid 20 grand for using his premises for a, a bank yeah. ad. You're only offering 500. I was like, I've nothing. I can pay your food. I can pay your expenses, but I, I can't give you anything. And about 80% of people were happy to help. There, there's still like a, a magic in film to a lot of people. You know, you, you know, you're in it, you're in the trenches and you're in the technical end of things. You forget that people love films. People want to help films. People, and they, could I, you know, could I be in it? Could I walk? And I'd be like, absolutely, you know. And they'd be over the moon. Can I bring my daughter? Yeah, bring them on. And they, you know, they wanted to be part of that magic. And I found that really nice. Like the, that people were so nice to try to help, to, to be on board, to be involved in something. And there was there was everyone who made it. It sounds so um unique and it's such of like like a big family all together yeah. and uh to yeah. get that community and that spirit is actually really refreshing it kind of takes me back a bit because i'm thinking like it restores my faith in the world and it doesn't need to be this big 100 million marvel film and expectations that if it loses money you're never going to work again it's like you have the keys to your own kingdom. So if you fuck it up, it's your fault. But at the same time, you can do what you want. Yeah, oh, that was so freeing. It's it's one in the same, during the same cup of tea, you have this thought that this is so freeing. <laughs> like you said, it's, it's, I don't answer to anyone. I can put my script the way I can direct exactly what I want. But at the same time, it's like your name is over the door. Yeah. If this all falls apart, it's on you. And then the more you go on and the more it's like, oh fuck, this this is actually all right. This is you know, then you start feeling this pressure that you these people have invested their weekends for you, they've invested their time. And then it's like I have to finish this. Like it's not for me anymore. They've if we're three quarters true and we get all these pro it's like from by then it was like I'm finishing this. I have to, for everyone who sacrificed on me, no matter what, we are finishing this. And then, you know, people, there was, we were shooting a lot during COVID. That's like some of the things. And there's people getting knocked off left, right and center. We were getting villages shut down with rolling lockdowns. And it's like, show must go on. Show They're like, We can't do it. I'm like, we're doing it. We are doing it. There's no... <laughs> You know, I'd be putting on a brave face to the crew to lead. But, but yeah, I was going to say that and, um, you know, be as honest as you want. But was there moments when you thought, I am out of my depth. This is every going day. to crumble. Hit myself. Yeah. every. I mean, there was once, I, it was actually exciting, but we, but we had this whole village locked out and the village got them. We could use their shops and it was an old, old post office, old everything. And we'd done it all up and we had tanks for a scene for the next day and soldiers and there's a hundred people, you know, spectators, just again, the magic of cinema. And I walked out somewhere and I'm having a fight with someone stressing over something. And I just walked down. I was like, 
And then everyone's looking, oh, that's the wreck. And you're like, I'm on a movie set. This is so cool. You know, you're shitting yourself, but at the same time, you're like, it's exhilarating. So yeah, a lot of times, you know, you'd be panicking. And then then we got like even to the edit. And at that stage, it was like, this is this is good enough to be up there. This doesn't look like it costs 15,000 euro. So now I'm holding this thing and sounds like this can get some top festivals when it needed sound work and then i had to i had to put like another 15 20 grand into it i had to get a loan for you know post-production stuff and because i knew there was some festival like galway which is a pretty big international festival and they were like it needs work but we like what you have there you know but you have to deliver if this is a professional film you have to so we got top sound designers in and editors and we fix it all up and at that stage there was a lot of pressure because Galway's like the Galway Film Festival is like we need it for this time and it's like we miss this window we're so we're editing at four in the morning fucking cigarettes and whiskey over zoom it's like fuck the scene has to stay and we're trying and all I'm thinking about is the cast and crew I owe it to them this has to be done it's like the editors are we can't it's like there's no can't we have to do it that's it and you know we we got through it in the end and then we got newport beach as well which was fantastic and then all of a sudden we had distributors knocking on our door and then we're into a whole different thing but it was just one day at a time one day you go through your panic your self-doubt and then it's like it's not going to help you so get out, put on the hat, the leader hat, and just keep going, you know, pretend, fake it, pretend you know what's going on, but you don't. Because it's such a unique story and such a wild roller coaster of emotions and a ride for you, what do you do differently next time? Because you can't obviously apply this same mentality and panic and stress to yourself on another feature because you'll just be in an early grave. You see, it's... It's exhilarating as well. I was going to say, but it's that's the exact word I was just about to say. I mean, but it's exhilarating when you're at a war. It's like the closest thing you can get to war when you these guys on your shoulder and like you you be killed me and some of the heads of departments. We'd be killing each other. Like we'd be you know fighting, but there was we all. It's this lovely thing. What I, I what soldiers feel where you know this guy has your back and you know that they're aiming towards the same thing. So no matter how much we disagree, we all know we're disagreeing to get this done. So, you know, and the the deliberation of no money, we'd be coming up with ways and schemes to, like, we, we got a property, say, and it's like, how do we get a house that looks like the 1980s? But it has to look like the 1970s because... A house wouldn't be freshly furnished in the 1980s. It'll be, it'll be nine, it, and these are working class. So it could be late 1960s. So I was like, how do we get it? And I'm sitting there with Annie, my um, production designer, and she's going through, you know, um, it's like my home or daft. It's like the, the home buyer's thing. Yeah. Look up houses. And I just had this epiphany. Every, I don't know whether you have it in the UK, it's like uh, energy rating. 
and the lower A, A plus is the highest energy. Yeah, I see. Then yeah. we popped on that E is the lowest. If we just put E into the search bar, this we find the houses that have never been done up. And lo and behold, we get all Genius. these properties. And then we go to one and it's like, oh my sweet Jesus. It's like, it was perfect. It was wooden. Oh, you know, like you'd seen your granny's house, wooden, shiny walls with... It was still kind of furniture in there, and the the, the guy who was selling it because it was in bits. He's like, "Give me fifty euro a week, and you can have it. Yeah. Shoot away, amazing that property, you know." And then they come in the production team and do all the magic to it, and all of a sudden, we could we could turn that into two different sets. We turned upstairs into one set, like that was a different house, and downstairs is is another set. So yeah, like this, but I'm I'm I've another one. I I'm signed now to a new production company, and they, I signed like an option agreement. Like yeah, a new script, and they were just telling me, like we love blah blah blah, we love it, uh, and I was like, well, what's what do I get? You know, what what are we looking at here? Oh well, it'd be a budget of five to eight million. How much? <laughs> I was like, I can't even picture making a film with five to eight million. You know, I just that's 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 a whole new thing. It's like I, I'd be more stressed out having that money. It's like I wouldn't know what to spend that on. Like just get Killian Murphy and spend it all on him, and we have fun making it with no money. But yeah, so is that is that a done deal? Then is that kind of the next thing for you? Is it kind of? It's in the process. They it's. Basically, they're a really good team in Aero Productions. Um, they they read one of my new scripts and they said, you know, we're gonna try take this. You know, but it's it's getting the funding and yeah. all that stuff. So they many we, parts to the puzzle. Six months window to try lock in the funding, and then we can start. So we're about two three months, and this state body screen Ireland, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of you know they know I'm not a bullshitter now so it's like when they look at me now it's like oh that's the guy who done the troubles you know it's that's that's him he he's he can do this so hopefully they shine some favorability on us this time around but it's it's looking really positive and that'll be a lot of fun new challenges you know it's like i really i, I look at the film and i just see oh, i could have done that you could imagine if we had that we could do that and now it's like if you have the reality the, yeah you can do so many. It's like you know, you have these ideas like that'd be really cool. And it's like, oh yeah, we can do that. It's like, so it'll be new challenges. It's insane, really, because the jump will be massive if you look at the budgets alone and the cast, and you've done it on a shoestring. So to be given that extra, I think you'll be like a kid in a toy shop. Let's try this camera. Let's try these. Let's try these new tools. I, I'd be taught telling uh, Column, my DOP, it's like. Again, speaking like an idiot and complete layman's, it's can you come down with that camera and do it? And he's like speaking technical jargon. It's like, oh, you need this didgeridoo. And it's like, can it be done? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can do it. It's possible. Right, we do that for that. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of fun. But again, when you're directing and writing, that's all happening. But my job still remains the same, whether yeah. it's it's... Killian Murphy or Colin Farrell or you know some guy who's just out of film school it's I have to tell him 
what I see, and it's his job to interpret it, whether it's a 50 million set behind them or the local pub, his, you know, it, it's when you get down to it and the fear of such gigantic thing, it, the director's job and the actor's job and the writer's job doesn't really change. It's direct that person in front of you to project your vision. Please always keep this humbleness and mindset because it's so refreshing. It's so wonderful to see. And uh, it's just a breath of fresh air, if I'm honest, my friend. It's so nice to see that you're not like wanting this 200 million pound superhero film straight away and just, you know, throw this money away. You're very grounded. And I think it shows. And I'm already excited to see what you'll do next. I reckon you'd do the whole film and still be left with a couple of million and like, what do I do with this? You know? Mate, I worked in the fucking snow and rain every day, 50 hours a week, you know, fitting windows and like this. Yeah. I just have a blast doing this. I have a blast writing. I have a blast getting, communicating, talking about it. I have a blast doing it. It's like, this is, this is fun for me. You know, it's not work. This is fun. Talking to somebody who wants to talk about film. I, I love all this shit do it all day every day um my final question because i'm obviously aware of the time um what we do on this podcast is every guest that comes on i've had anthony hopkins kevin smith mads mickelson you know the person i've they've been on this show and they all get the same final question so you get to choose a song that means a lot to you to be played after today's interview so after we've edited it and made it all sound really polished and lovely for the world to listen to you can have any song in the world played but i always like to know why that song came to your head first Jesus. i'm throwing you on the spot i understand someone 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 should, someone should have told me this um it's never oh as fun if i prep you for this because some people have said like can i get back to you in a week i'm like no is it is it is it, is it something that's personal to me and you to play anything you can have any song in the entire world or piece of music. And I just, what will happen in your head now, you'll have a hundred songs and a hundred bands. Yeah. But what's the one that you just come to? doesn't matter if it's a shit song or a song that people won't know or the biggest, most popular song All right, well, now I have to be honest because the one that's just permeating through my head now, and this is, it's the song that my new film, Cigarettes, I literally kind of used this song as the template for the film. It was like the anchor of the film and it's probably going to feature in it. And it's such a cheesy song. <laughs> but this uh, is good. This is, there's a reason behind it, which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I love, you know, when you grow up, you know, uh, one of them guilty songs that you grow up, but you know, when you grow up when you're, you're in this masculine environment of everyone's cool. So you, you can't have, you can't, you can't come out of the closet about these type of things. But it's Dire Straits, Romeo and Juliet. Great song. Fucking masterpiece. Good. good. I feel validated now. I, it, it is a great song. I can say it now openly. It's a fucking brilliant song. It might cost you a lot of the budget to try and get Dire Straits to agree to the rights to, for you to use that song. But yeah, we'll, I'll get on. Yeah, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. I'd, I'd love if we could use it because it's... it's it, even if we can't use I used it. And I used even the video. I love the video. I, I don't know why I, my girlfriend thinks I'm a weirdo because every time I look at it, I just be laughing. It's like, I just love this video. I love the abstraction of the Romeo and Juliet 
piece that they're playing out in the video with these flat bases. It's really cool. So, yeah. I love that. your reason, and that's why it came before any other song. And it's not cheesy. It's a guilty pleasure, but it's a good one. So, uh, it isn't cheesy. You're right. It's a fantastic song. It is. I'm proud of it. Legends. Yes. Amazing. I wear it. Badge of honor. Luke, thank you for your time today. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, obviously, I'll tag you in and share it and get people hopefully then going to check out the film. But um, I really appreciate your time. And I know this industry very well. I've been in it for seven years and our paths will cross again. I know they will. I, and um, I hope to, if we do get this, hopefully next time over the line, I would love to chat to you again. Of course, you're more than welcome. The door is always open. I've had some guests like Neil Blomkamp and Neil Marshall come on three or four times. Um, Alex Winter's been on four times. So if you want to come back on and we can talk in further depth about your future, especially if there's a bigger film with big budget, let's do it. Absolutely. You can actually use the budget, fly me over, and we'll do an on-set thing. That'll be a good way to do it. Yes, I will. I will. I'll do that. Awesome. I will. Well, good luck with the rest of the podcast. Oh, nice. Well, good luck to the rest of your press you do and the release, and thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Thank you. So there's my interview with me and Luke. And as I said at the start of today's interview, this is his podcast debut. So I feel very flattered, very honoured. And it's a great thing to look back on in a few years time when you're really, really famous and successful. And I can say what it all started on Mark and Me. As you heard as well on today's interview, The Troubles, A Dublin Story is out now. You can stream it or go and buy it on DVD. If you do go and check the film out, please let me know on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or what you think. And if you aren't following me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, all the links are on markandme.com and I really appreciate it. As you know, Mark and Me does need money to fund this podcast and basically go out there, record interviews and host it on all these different directories. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, I do have a Patreon account or a Ko-fi page. And if you want to basically buy me a coffee or the equivalent via Patreon and get some prizes and stuff like that, it really goes a long way. And all the links again are on markandme.com. Or if you don't want to do that, that's absolutely fine. But please share it. It only takes a couple of minutes and really means the world. Before I go, I just want to give a big shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, Richer Sounds. Without those guys, I couldn't keep this podcast going. So if you're in the market for some headphones, a Sonos, a TV, a Blu-ray player, hit up richersounds.com and you will not be let down. I'll be back in only a few days time with another brand new episode. So until then, look after yourself, take care and I'll speak to you all very soon. Juliet, the dice was loaded from the start.
song When you're gonna realize It was just that the time was wrong Juliet Come up on different streets They both were streets of shame Both dirty, both mean Yes, and the dream was just the same And I dreamed your dream for you And now your dream is real How can you look at me as if I was just another one of your deals When you can fall for chains of silver You can fall for chains of gold You can fall for pretty strangers And the promises they hold You promised me everything You promised me thick and thin, yeah Steps out of the shade and says something like, 